When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, McCoy. Hey, McCoy. Hey, McCoy. The show off. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the PHNX Suns podcast brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star Lindsay, review. before we start, we have, we have somebody who is at the other side of this pillar uh, feeling very left out right now. Okay. Should we acknowledge him now or should we acknowledge no, him later? I think we should ignore him for the entire season. <laughs> like, you you know those 90s sitcoms where, like, the like Boy Meets World, the sister disappeared for, like, four years? I think we should just treat him like that this season, as if it, it never, in season one, he, he was there, but he doesn't exist anymore. You talking about Shane? I don't, <laughs> I don't like, know. What's who, happening, guys? I don't know who you're speaking of. Or, I think we acknowledge it now. The former uh, mustache behind the mask. Let's throw up the graphic. R.I.P. The mustache behind the mask. Shane Diefenbach is no longer going to be the producer on this show. We thank him for his hours and his dedication, his service to the show, to the girthlings in the chat. Mm-hmm. But GTFO, Shane Kazema's here. Damn. What's up, Emma? Damn. <laughs> Emma in the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you guys could see Shane's face. Damn. I know. It was oh, pure hurt. shock. Stabbed I'm sorry, right Shane. Stabbed him straight up in the back. I'm sorry. It wasn't but, me, Shane. But in all in all honesty, <laughs> like Shane has done so much for this program. Uh, he is, he's been here religiously alongside us mm-hmm. for just about every single show mm-hmm. but shane is uh moving on to bigger and better things right now still in the company mm-hmm. still here yes. he hasn't left he just he's got a lot of stuff to do and yeah. so uh and he's such a talented person that um we uh we saw an opportunity to to get emma on board and to give uh shane a, another opportunity elsewhere and to that's cut what we it, did cut it with the giving him flowers crap <laughs> emma's a better producer so we brought oh, her in God. to produce the, the best show on the network that's what it comes down to so so espo doesn't understand how to run a company efficiently <laughs> i just trapped up the okay. producer and okay. the other shows how about espo that? is trying to shit all over shane <laughs> i will defend shane do you want me to unteach you <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I, can I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I love. I love that crap on him and the other shows inadvertently. Oh man. Uh, we love you, Shane. We love listen, you. Listen, we have a lot of talented people here. All of the producers who have filled in on the show or been a part of it since the beginning, like Shane, are phenomenal. 
But like Saul said, Shane's on to other things. He's gonna uh, within this company, he's going to make some cool content for all of us. Emma is a phenomenal producer. You guys will come to know and love her just as much as Shane, we promise. Um, but we did have to do a little uh, R.I.P. Shane uh, mm-hmm. situation. Leah, uh, I couldn't get you on our production, so we went with Emma. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk a Jesus, little bit Jesus, now you threw Emma <laughs> under the bus? Oh, what are you trying to do, Everybody, destroy the show? I'm trying to teach Emma what it's like to produce this program. No, you're trying to teach, three minute you're, you're trying to teach her how it is to work with you. <laughs> he's, he's disparaged like three separate producers in the last 45 seconds. He's just seconds. burning the whole house down. Yeah. He's you like, know, I'm going on vacation tomorrow, so yeah. you deal with it, yeah. Saul. You know who's the best writer? Oh, boy. Craig Morgan. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. I mean, he's not wrong, but yeah. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about basketball? Let's talk now? about yeah, basketball let's do it. stuff <laughs> before Espo really breaks relationships here. <laughs> Lindsay, you're the best host. So. Oh God, don't even start. <laughs> uh, Bill Simmons shared on his podcast recently some very interesting insight of what may have been going on behind the scenes around this uh, Robert Sarver situation. Let's hear the clip. What I heard was there was one last piece that a card that. Uh, the league was going to play where MJ was going to be the last piece to come out and implore Sarver to sell. And that would have been a death blow for him and hugely embarrassing for a bunch of different reasons. Um, that never had to happen, but it was going to happen. And I think once Sarver knew that Jordan was looming after LeBron, after Chris Paul, after some of the other people, the minority owner, um, then that, that was it. Okay. My first question is, do you believe this? Yes. 100%. Yes. Listen, LeBron and Chris Paul can say and do a lot of things. All MJ has to do is hint at them, and they happen. That's how dominant the GOAT is. I just picture MJ sitting there with his tablet, reading the 43 pages, <laughs> and went, and I took that personally. <laughs> and that was, that was that. I think the threat of that would have been enough to get the other owners to consider voting him out. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're, we've talked about it, when you're that rich... You have a massive ego, and you want to leave on your terms if you're about to get forced out. Right. As the GOAT, as a current owner, he holds tremendous sway over the league, over the other owners. Um, So this wouldn't surprise me. And I know that MJ, especially during his prime playing days, has taken a lot of flack for, um, you know, the whole Republicans buy shoes to comments and for never really taking those kind of social justice stands that we've seen a lot of current athletes take. But I do think in recent years, he's gotten a lot better in that regard and learning that he holds a lot of influence and that it is important for him to speak up, to act on some of these important issues. So it doesn't really surprise me if that was actually true. It just surprises me because I don't have we, I personally, now I might've missed some things, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. I've never seen Michael Jordan come out and be like, this is my stance on X, Y, and Z. No. He, no, he, like ever. He has. Over the last couple of years, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's been a little has. bit more vocal. Before Before really the last decade, he was pretty quiet. He operated behind the scenes. Um, you know, like, again, like if you go back and watch The Last Dance, like he made the Republicans remark. But he also did contribute to somebody else um, who was highly favored in North Carolina at the time. And and it was viewed that right. because like he said the re- Yeah, exactly. The donation. And, but it was viewed because he made the Republicans remark that he was he was steering one way. And, and a lot of people just didn't sit well with that because of the things that were going on in North Carolina at the time. So I I appreciate the fact that he's stepping up a little bit more. I think he understands what he means to the game overall. 
And uh, for him to be able to step up and say something, uh, I mean, listen, if anybody's going to rally the troops, it's definitely going to be Michael Jordan because he has so much gravitas Mm -hmm. in this game. So Well, and I think, too, uh, it was a different time when Jordan was playing. It wasn't the player empowerment era, so there were still things you could say that, that... could damage your career uh, if you, even if you were the most powerful athlete at the time. So I don't hold it against him during his playing days, but we knew he wasn't going to say people who use racist terms that don't have animus in their heart, but maybe could be racist, own franchises too. In this case, it wasn't going to be like, you know, or buy franchises too. It wasn't going to be like the shoe thing here. He was going to take a stance, and I have to say something. For the first time in my life, thirty years, I have hated Michael Jordan. I refuse to admit that he was better than Charles Barkley, that he was the best <laughs> player ever. But you know what? Today, on this program, I am officially dropping that stance after 30 years of ignorance and saying, Michael Jordan, you are the GOAT. You are the greatest basketball player of all time, and I hold no animus in my heart for you anymore. I I applaud you for doing the right thing and helping Phoenix out. Thank you, sir. How no. am I supposed to take you seriously from now on? With the Charles Barkley thing? Ooh, I mean, <laughs> I what? was nine when his team ripped my heart out. What do you want? It wasn't logic-based. But it's been 30 years. Yeah, I hold grudges, Saul. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's like, I mean... Want to w- find out? Water is oh, wet? God. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's okay. We need to clip that whole segment there before we got into that. Um, I, I do want to bring up though because this was this shouldn't be surprising based on what he said in the wake of the donald sterling thing because he did come out and release a statement and said he hoped that adam silver would come down hard on sterling there's no kind of there's no place in our league for that kind of racism and hatred um and then during you know the 2020 black lives matter he donated i think 100 million two organizations committed to fighting for social justice and release a statement as well. So like we said, over the last decade or so, he's been a lot more active on that front in using his influence and his resources for the betterment of these type of situations. Real quick in the chat, Blue Gold is like shaking my head. You can't be serious. Jordan is not an activist. Please stop it, please. Uh, there's not a single person on this this show that's saying he's an activist of any right. type. But you can still stand for something. Mm. Um, and if that's what he did, then cool. And nobody's saying that he's going out there leading the charge on a, a variety of different topics or issues and standing up against We're not saying that. But what we are saying is that he stood up in this instance or is rumored to have stepped up in this instance to get rid of a person that is widely viewed as somebody that is not that does not follow the NBA quote unquote code that they have kind of established here since Adam Silver took over. So move along. Okay? You could also throw some weight around behind the scenes and push for change without being a public type of an activist or the type of activist that we sort of associate that word with, right? Right. You can still, and Michael Jordan is one of those people who has a lot of weight he can throw around and make things happen by simply, like Bill Simmons was saying here, just even say, hey, if you don't do this, I'm going to come out and say something. Mm. Like, But we're not saying he's like a quote-unquote activist, but that doesn't mean that he didn't actively participate yeah. in this. And, and he can do something that's right, even if it's in his best self-interest here, too, which it was. Mm-hmm. Having having him, having uh, the disgrace be one of the 30 owners that, that are in his club hurts him as well as an owner. So standing up was, in part, good for himself, too. And there's nothing wrong with that, either. Mm-hmm. 
So another thing that Bill Simmons mentioned during this podcast was that he believes the Suns could be sold for between four and five billion dollars. Mm. Like when we talked about this initially, based on like the Forbes valuation and all the things, we were at like what two, maybe three, if three. there was a bidding war. Mm -hmm. Between four and five billion, y'all. We're gonna have to step up those donations yeah. to our fund <laughs> to buy the Suns. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to meet some really. We're gonna, we're gonna have to cut people off. The, Bob Iger, I'm sorry, but with a with a hundred or six hundred and fifty million, you aren't even getting getting in the room to discuss anything at this point. Yeah. If it goes for four and a half billion, let's be honest there. But look, there he brings up a good point. There's limited teams, you know. There's so um, automatically there's scarcity. And he says that, and I agree with him on this, the Suns are one of the top eight franchises in the league to own. Now, over the, over the last 18 years, it hasn't felt like that, but the city, uh, the history, the fan base, uh, the, the fact that the arena was just renovated and they have a brand new $80 million practice facility, this is a top flight team, so it will it'll demand top dollar. And, sure. and you got to be careful. Like uh, I don't want to get into this whole like oh well you know they're not better than this franchise or this franchise. No, no, no. We're not talking about championship wins. We're not talking about any of that stuff. What we're talking about is just the other uh, logistics of owning an NBA franchise. The fans. You can't dispute that the the Phoenix Suns fans are some of the best in the NBA. Mm -hmm. um, you're talking about the the area as you talked about. You know the weather during basketball season is unbeatable here in the Valley. Um, so listen, yeah, absolutely. It's a desirable place to hold, uh, to, to own a franchise, a million percent. I don't think there's very many franchises that can, uh, top eight might just be, you know, kind of lenient in my opinion. I think it's one of the top five cities to own a franchise in. Well, when you look at Woj's tweet from a few days ago too, he said that league executives around the NBA were saying that Phoenix could be a huge free agent destination with the right ownership. So I'm sure a lot of that is taken into account as well. And then all the stories that we've talked about over the last two weeks as well of free agents not wanting to come here because of the ownership. Yeah. Like that's a legitimate thing. And if you change that ownership and you have somebody in charge here, maybe all those free agents now truly do want to come here. Well, and if you buy it, you're you're guaranteed large chunks of money coming in terms of the new TV contract and two expansion fees, right? So some of that's going to offset the cost of this team. Uh, when you get in the door, you're going to have some cash coming your way automatically from those two things. So I think that may push the value uh, a little bit higher as well. Well, I, I keep looking. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep no, looking at the Golden State Warriors. You know, the Golden State Warriors for the longest time were just kind of they were abysmal. They were not very good. Since mm -hmm. their championship in the 70s, they've been a, a very mid-tier franchise until that ownership group took over. And, uh, you know, and things completely changed. Obviously, they got, you know, Steph Curry in, involved and stuff. But, I mean, that, that whole – now you look at that – you look at Golden State, it, like, in a completely different way than you did in the 90s and the early 2000s because of what they've done over there. And I think Phoenix could easily be the, a similar model. Right. You've got a better team coming off of a finals run in the last two years and the league best record. So you've got the talent. You've got the nice jerseys. You've got – the revamped arena you've got the brand new practice facility like this is definitely a place where players want to play and that boosts up the value a lot 
I just came back from New York, and I'm just going to say this right now. I just came back from New York, and that dumpster fire of a city, I cannot stand. And I absolutely, to the grave, I will say that Phoenix is a much better city than New York. You can have the millions of people you want there and all the, the crime and all the freaking crazy shit that I saw walking around those streets. It's not a top-tier destination. That's why the Knicks suck. That's why the Nets suck. I don't care. That's a that's a you problem. So, so it was a good vacation. Then, <laughs> but, it was mid. To, it was mid. It was oh, mid. Man. Speaking of Warriors, the food was great. Yeah, speaking great. of Warriors ownership, I don't think I told this story. When we were at summer league, and you would give me the edible, <laughs> I ran into Joe Lake. That's how we roll. All right, I ran into Joe Lake of the owner, the billionaire owner of uh, of the Warriors. At a stand where I was, bu- where he was buying <laughs> nu- uh, honey roasted nuts, literally, no lie. And I was like, "Oh my God, it's Joe Lacob. He's super." I'm like, "I don't know how to act." Like I'm like, "Don't Did you embarrass say to yourself." Him? No, I was like, "Don't embarrass yourself. Don't embarrass yourself," <laughs> because I I was feeling it at the time. The edible took a <laughs> turn. See, that's when you go up to him like, "Oh, those nuts look warm." <laughs> Speaking of edibles, OGs, our friends over there, just did something that is going to totally change the game. They just launched their brand new Sleep Edition gummies, and you guys won't want to sleep on these. But yes, you heard me right. OGs is now flavoring dreams with a two-to-one THC-CBN ratio gummy. Now, CBN is a compound that helps specifically with falling and staying asleep. And this Sleep Edition gummy is in their new aqua berry flavor, which is quite delightful. We highly recommend you guys check out OG's online at ogsbrands.com and on Instagram at ogsbrands. You can also find their products at your local dispensary, but you must be 21 years or older to purchase. Uh, Listen, I just want to clarify something. I didn't force uh, Espo to eat an edible. Did I just say said, you forced him? I just want to make sure that it's out there. One. I said, you want one? Me. He was like, yeah. I was like, cool. You're in a safe space because I'm right by you. We're going to sit here. We're going to watch some basketball and we're going to fucking trip out. It's going to be fun as hell. It and wasn't it was that fun. safe of a space. I got lost on the concourse. <laughs> one giant circle. circle. I got lost. <laughs> I walked around five then times. I ran into Joe Lacob, damn it. It was weird. <laughs> oh okay, God. but real quick, going back because um, in the chat somebody had mentioned that the league holds Phoenix back and doesn't want it to win a championship. However you feel about that is your prerogative. But you know how we have been complaining for years about the way the media speaks about us and it feels like we always get the short end of the stick? Mm. Well, maybe that was a there's a tinge of truth to that based on what people in those spaces knew about what was going on in Phoenix. I know they'll never actually come out and say it because if anybody at the league office even knew remotely what was going on here and didn't like bring it up or bring attention to it, they'd probably get a lot of backlash for that, and rightfully so. But it makes you ask the question, if the players all knew and didn't want to come play here from a free agency standpoint, did at least people know of the rumors of how bad it was? the league wasn't... The only way I buy the league was holding them down kind of thing is potentially the refs during that seven Mm -hmm. seconds or less run didn't like the owner for particular things that were being said to them from the sidelines. 
I can understand that kind of bias, but there is not some giant, huge conspiracy to not let the Phoenix Suns win a championship. And I'm Mr. Tinfoil Hat, damn it, <laughs> and I don't even buy that one. So I think I was away. speaking more so from like the media side of things. I mean, I could like, see like if I was on media, ESPN yeah. and I had heard all the rumors of what was going, I would shit on the Suns too. I don't think I, I, every Rose chance I got here, he should. He, yeah, he was one of the every guys. chance I got, I would throw them under the bus, and I would never go out of my way to lift them up. Because I knew what was going From on. From a player's perspective, I could see that and how that would, in, you know, infiltrate the media. Um, and but I'll be honest, you know, listen, I, 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 I was in the the arena with you on multiple occasions. Like I was, the only thing I ever heard was that Sarver was basically an asshole. Like and that he he always overstepped his bounds when it came to the players and coaches. I never heard all this other stuff, right? So I, I do kind of wonder how much of that actually bled down to like the players, for instance, outside, you know, like did the players, like did the Jalen Roses and the Jamal Crawfords know what was going on behind closed doors with you, you know, with you guys and stuff like that? Like did they know? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, because I mean, listen, like, there's other players that are still a part of this franchise that I wish would have said something, you know, and they never did. They may not have known the specifics on the business side, but they knew everything on the basketball side, and there yeah. was just as much on both sides I, that I makes bet. you dis dislike this or want to be completely distance yourself from that name, organization, face, whatever you want. Okay. I guarantee you there were players that knew more things. Yeah, I had a couple ex-players tell me over the last week a couple things that I was like, Oh wow! All right, yeah, they knew, they knew things. Mm -hmm. so. For sure. I don't know. It was just a thought that maybe, maybe that's one reason why the media constantly trashes on the Suns too, is because there's like a little bit of bias there based on relationships they've built with players mm -hmm. and people around the league too. Certainly. Think of some of the some of the people who have been in NBA media and had a national voice. I mean, Elisan. Yeah. He's one of the guys that I was telling that I was alluding yeah. to when mm -hmm. I was saying. We probably owe people like him mm -hmm. an apology as well because I know I've seen multiple people bash Amin for bashing the Suns, no. but he was in the thick of it, y'all. Look, he he knew a lot of things. You know, you've got Channing Fry who went through it and, and had his issues with this franchise and the way they treated him. Richard Jefferson, obviously close with Channing and others. Uh, that uh, Jalen Rose saw it and, and talked about it. Like there was, it was one of the worst kept secrets and i think there actually there was definitely uh some twinge of that with national media for mm -hmm. sure well either way we know bob's out herm's out asu has a new coach and that means we're going to be having an awesome tailgate this saturday at four peaks and you guys should come hang out with us. $50 will get you access to the all-you-can-eat buffet. The buffet is loaded with chicken wings, nachos, pizza, barbecue grilled chicken sandwiches, pulled pork barbecue sandwiches, and also some dessert. They're going to have pumpkin porter cheesecake, which sounds delightful, and donut holes. Plus, you'll get to hang out with all of the guys from the PHNX Sun Devils show. And you'll get two Four Peaks beers and a free ride to the stadium. It's going to be a great time. You guys should come hang out. And the icing on the cake, y'all. The first 15 people to sign up will receive a ticket to the game and a PHNX membership. So the next 15 people to sign up will receive this awesome package that is valued at $150 for just 50 bucks. So check the link in our show notes to sign up. Just a reminder, you do have to be 21 years or older to enjoy Four Peaks beer, and we ask that you enjoy responsibly. Cool. Get us ready for some burning questions. 
It's going to be a fun event, by the way. It Just is. I'll be I'm, there. Not, I'm not even an I'll, ASU fan. I'll be there. I'll be there, too. I'll be there, too. Are you guys going to wear ASU shirts or are you going to wear U of A shirts? I ain't wearing an ASU shirt. I'll wear an ASU shirt. PHNX shirt. I don't think. Do you what about have ASU colors? U of A shirts. Do I guess I have U of A shirts? How many? Well, I have two. <laughs> what does that even mean? I'm of our questioning Wildcats. his fandom right I now. I have a hoodie. I have a pullover. Mm. I actually have three of our U of A shirts. Do you have any of our ASU shirts? Hell, well, I will soon. I'll have, <laughs> I'll have a Josh Jones shirt. Too, Do you? So. Yeah. Are you going to wear it? I have the Josh Jones shirt, and then I have the, I'm getting the knotted shirt. Are you going to wear them? I mean, I'm not going to wear them tomorrow. Why not? Because I can't have people thinking that I like Just ASU. lean into it, Saul. <laughs> lean into it. No. Whatever, fine. Let's move on to burning questions. We've got more burning questions to talk about today. Oh, look at that. That's something else, Sassy. huh? Look at that. Whoa. <laughs> and today we're going to take Whoa. a look at the new I did faces. That. Did you really? I did that. Thank look you at you. Flowers test. How about <laughs> that? We're going to take a look at the new faces you know, on the Sun Squad. Actually. And we're going to be asking the burning question, what are your expectations for them? You guys ready for this? Let's yeah. do it. Let's, Let's do start it. with Jock Landale. So the Suns sent some cash to the Hawks to get Jock after their trade with the Spurs. He's a 26-year-old Australian big man with just one year of NBA experience. He's worked and continues to work hard to make himself into a stretch big who can space the floor. But he's still got a little bit of a ways to go. He's not a freak athlete, but he is smart and crafty. Um, and obviously, of course, not having crazy athleticism defensively, not the greatest perimeter defender, but he's reliable on the inside. So, or the interior. What really, are you guys' thoughts on really, Jack? Really hyping this guy up right now. Listen, I will do my best <laughs> to give these guys flowers. I, I don't really expect him to get much playing time this year. I love Jock. He's He's been on the show. Friend of the program, as they say. But, uh, yeah, I don't really he, – he might get Ish Wainwright minutes um, from like a year ago when, you know, teams would be up or we'd be up by like 30, maybe. But I, I don't really see much of a contribution on his end. He's got a non-guaranteed contract. So he's got to show something in training camp and in preseason uh, to even make the roster. I think he will. I think he'll be a fan favorite. He'll be that guy that gets in for a few minutes, has that hustle, uh, we'll hit a three every once in a while and grab some boards, and people will get hyped about him, but I don't think you'll see any major minutes. He's no Aaron Holiday. <laughs> I mean, he might be Too in soon. that regard if yeah. he's not going to play <laughs> very much. But um, I, I think of talent. <laughs> I think with Jock, it's tough because I think he could be kind of a insurance plan if Dario Saric comes out and does not play like the shards he used to be coming off those two leg injuries um, because Jock does bring that floor spacing element that DA and Bismack don't bring to the table right now. Um, he's a pretty decent passer. He would fit within 0.5, but he does have to prove that he can be effective from three because last year he only shot about 37% or 33% from three. That's not going to cut it. Um, but he is a, a clever little role guy. He's good in the pick and pop. Um, and even though he doesn't sh block a lot of shots, he's a very good positional interior defender. So he could fill a couple minutes a game here and there. He could help with the regular season slog, but um, he'd really have to show something to work his way into a playoff rotation. I, I, I don't know that he'll be able, if Dario doesn't come out and play the way that they expect him to, 
to f- quite fill the role. I don't think you're saying he's going to be the distributor that Dario no. is. No. I, that that whole expectation out of that third center spot would have to change dramatic or second center spot in some cases would have to change dramatically if Jacques Landell's the guy that you're you're having to count on. I I think you'll give some great post game uh, press conference comments if he has a, a flash in the pan game. I'm sure we'll see him back here, but I don't expect anything big. Yeah. Well, okay. What are your expectations? I like the guy. I think it'll be fun to watch him play in his very limited minutes. How much do you think he's going to play a game? Less less than what he was on this show. Oh, man. Well, Wait, then no. he'd have to play overtime, like double overtime. I mean, I over mean, the, course, the, of like a, over the course of a long time, it'll probably add up oh, to that. Oh, you? I, I thought you meant per game. I was like, that. No, I know. <laughs> come on, Asma. He's going to play 60 minutes? <laughs> the math on that is definitely not Iron math. Man. I, I think he's going to also be a really good locker room guy. I'm sure a lot of these, these guys on this list are all going to be pretty good locker room well, guys because – they're all fit into that bucket of we understand where we are in the NBA as far as the totem pole goes. We understand that we have to try and do our best to meet the assignments we are given, stay ready at all the all times, and be positive voices in that locker room and was, not be the wet blankets who are like, well, I'm not getting enough playing time because <laughs> that, that ain't going to cut it. You're going to get the boot real quick. Are there any guys that did that while you were over there that uh, that was an impression of? No. <laughs> oh, there yeah. is. There's a Plead. question mark at the end there. Oh, the come on. Give us a year. Let's talk about Josh Akogi. Give us a year. <laughs> Josh Akogi, he's a great... <laughs> you guys are the worst. He's a 23-year-old forward on a minimum contract that pays just now. under $2 million. Uh, solid defensive player, but he does have some shortcomings offensively. Yeah, he's butt offensively. <laughs> He, not great. He's just in-depth glad he analysis. To, he's he, butt. Not great, he's Bob. Butt. He's just but, glad he doesn't have to wear those highlighter uniforms. But I will say, I, w- I will say this though. You know, we're talking about Jay Crowder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Okogi is a very, uh, you know, he's a very good defender. Um, you can see him maybe a little bit, uh, kind of supplementing whatever you might lose with Jay Crowder to a degree. So, you know, I, I think it was a great. You know, I think it's a good. It's a nice low budget haul. For, for the Suns. So I do like him. I think he's probably going to average somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes a game. I would love to see a lineup of Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Akogi, Cam Johnson, and DA out there. The defense mm. on that unit would be spectacular and then you just bury him in the corner and if he gets an open look, great. Not yeah. the numbers don't the numbers don't say give him any look. I get that, but yeah, if he did, I, that'd be phenomenal. <laughs> the defense, the defense excites me because this team, in in large part, was predicated on how good they were on defense, and this guy adds to it. I don't think he's going to get huge minutes, but he could play spot minutes where you know those two or three stops in a game that the defense gets when he's in there could swing the whole thing uh, later on. I mean, every position p- possession you get to stop throughout the game uh, is a good one, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in those uh, in those minutes. Right. It, in terms of his defense, he's only 6'4", but he has a, a pretty sizable wingspan, and he is an elite point-of-attack defender. Like, if you look at the numbers on the basketball index, 
95th percentile in adjusted turnover rate, 86th percentile in pickpocket rating, 93rd in passing lane defense. Like he's a guy that creates a lot of offense out of defense. Um, the problem, obviously, is the three point shooting. He's a career 28% three point shooter. He hasn't cracked 30% in a single season. Yes. And that's with the majority of his shots in his career being wide open, what NBA.com wide calls open. wide open. He's made just 30% of his wide open threes in his I mean, career. That's including the gym when he's shooting with uh, in practice. Yeah. So typically, guys, typically coaches won't even let you leave until you hit at least seven or eight in a row. So he must be in the gym forever. <laughs> he's locked in there like the transformation center. <laughs> so do you think it's a lack of talent, a lack of confidence? What do you think it is? Or do you think he has the potential to maybe get over that hump? Oh, no. You, if since you he's can, 23. If you can't shoot right now, you don't have it. Like, you don't... It's not something that you can really, like... Sure, you can get marginally better, but bro, you are wide open, like a lot of times. Like that's the difference, right? Wide open buckets should be automatic. Like you should be salivating when you get a, a wide open bucket, but this dude is probably shaking in his knees. Right, and, and it, it oh, does kind of seem like a mental thing with him because I think it was Mark Stein or someone that tweeted out earlier a few months ago about Akogi saying like, Minnesota Timberwolves people don't understand his three-point shooting because in practice, like, he's a good three-point shooter, and it just has not translated to games during his time in the league. So it's kind of one of those baffling things where he knocks him down in practice, but he's not a, a game-type guy at this but, point. Here's a quick question. Hmm. How many times did we see uh, DeAndre Ayton in practice for the first two, yeah. three years? I have a video on my phone of him knocking down, down threes, eight threes like in crazy, a row. and then he never shot him in the game. Yeah, but DA, but it's different because DA's release is wonkier based on what we've seen. Like Akogi doesn't have a terrible release; it's not pure, but it's not a t and he, and he's at a position where he should be shooting threes. Yeah. Whereas DA is more of a guy that you have to grow into kind of that skill. I don't. I don't know. But let's be honest. With the, with the minimal amount he was shooting, the difference between 28% and getting up to a 33 to 35% mm -hmm. that's respectable is a handful of makes. Right. Right? So I don't think it's impossible that he becomes, you know, okay in that, you know, where he could hit some shots and get out of his head. Yeah, He's not going to be lights out. He's never going to be a guy that you're counting on. But if he can get in that 33% range, you can trust him to be out there for longer. Minutes. Right. Even if he can pull like a Tory Craig did, the especially the first year that he came to the Suns where he shot like 35 36%, like you would take that because he is an elite defender. He gets a lot of steals. He gets a lot of blocks for a guy at his position. And if he, even if he's been cold for the whole game or whatever, and you need to stop down the end, Monty can throw him in for a play or two just to get a defensive stop, and he can be that type of guy. So I wouldn't expect a ton in terms of minutes, but if he's even just average on offense, he could make a difference. And that's the other part is that he's only converted 54% of his shots at the rim, which was in the 10th percentile. So he's a guy that takes 93% of his shots from three or at the rim, but doesn't shoot well doesn't in either category. Bucket. So that's that's a tough combo. I'm excited that we got another inconsistent perimeter shooter. <laughs> we, you can never have too many of those. Speaking of that, when he said Tory Craig, I went, oh, my God, we still got Tory Craig yeah, on the yeah, draw. Yeah. Somebody in the yeah. chat said he's a younger Tory Craig. So. Cool. Great, we got two Tory. Uh, let's let's add him to Shamit, and we got the you know we got the. Hello brings up a really good point, though. Hello said he just needs that money love, you know, with with the right, 
voice behind it, behind you, encouraging you and lifting you up. Maybe, just maybe, Josh, it's, it can make a difference. It's okay. Just, it's okay. Can, well done is better than well said. We're not going to get happy on the farm. I, you're just going to go out there and you're going to shoot. I, it's all going to be okay, Josh. I can, impa- I can imagine Monty in the huddle. Just like trying to coach him up, but at the same time throwing shade. Like, guys, eventually Josh is going to start hitting. <laughs> and, uh, and, no. and, then, and then we're going to really make a run here. It's okay that he just missed 17 in a row. Oh. It's okay. One of these has to fall. Josh, when you're wide open, just feel my love. I love embrace, my warming love of, uh, above your skill set. Right and now? be able to, be able to so hit cringe. from the corner. Why do, how is that going to help him that Monty's a good dude? Like, that's not going to make a guy hit a shot. It was so a many, joke, Asma. I get it. Just the let it I, fly approach. But then I go down that whole rabbit hole of what would that actually be like. Oh and it, I just, I don't see it. It's not going to help. Okay, let's talk about Damian Lee. Oh, same man. same thing. Ain't going to help. Right? Oh, Join the Suns on a one-year deal. He is a 29-year-old forward who recently played with the Warriors. Again, shocking. An effective role player who does what is asked of him and is a great locker room guy. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on Damian Lee? It's like that phrase, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And that's how I feel about a lot of these guys. There's only one guy to be honest, that that I do like out of this group that we're going to talk about that I think is it will actually uh, prove to be a benefit. Uh, but, I mean, these guys, are, they're all, you know, listen, they're all roster fillers. They're they're all hoping to get a chance to, to make an impact on this team. But none of them move the needle. None of them are going to give you more than, than they have their entire careers. Um, what, what they have shown is what you're going to get. So you're going to get some very mid-level play. You're just hoping that they don't cost you games, but they don't, they don't lose them for you. They just hold their own. Mm-hmm. Have you ever got guys ever gone to Circle K or Fry's, whatever, and, and get like a quick a handful of quick picks for the, uh, for the Powerball? Like yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a chance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's all these guys yeah. that they signed this off season. It's if they can find their shot, if they can uh, can perform better, slightly better than they have, they'll be a guy that could add something to this team. They're a bunch of uh, quick picks, flyers. You're hoping that maybe something comes of them, and and Damian Lee falls right in the same category of what we're talking about uh, with a Kogi from an offensive perspective. It's if he can, if he can find that rhythm, if he can hit those shots, last year was a rough one for him. They're, they're the basketball version of dash deals. <laughs> DoorDash deals. At oh, least, okay. at least he comes with championship experience, right? He's yeah, played but not him, because of him. No, but he's played next to really great athletes. He's seen the work that needs to be put in. Lindsay, like I have championship. I'm doing the best that Lindsay, I can here. I have, I have championship it. experience. I watched the Bucks play. Hold on, that, that's like saying Saul gets better from sitting between you two. It's like it, it doesn't transfer somehow. No, I lift them up. Yeah, sure. You we'll guys. Go hey. Next year when we do the new guys, it's just gonna be me and Lindsay, so we don't spend 45 hey. minutes shitting on all the new guys. Hey, <laughs> I'm on new guys. Hold on a second. You oh, yeah, but these guys are just I was actually thinking of like Emma and the producers. Minutes. My bad. Hey, da- oh, Damien Lee's got a great uh, a I'm great not, brother-in-law. I'm not shitting oh, on him. God. Yes, you are. I'm not shitting on him. I'm just saying what they are. They're just mid-level basketball players. He, he actually wishes he could be as good as not Steph, but Seth Curry, his other brother-in-law. Oh, that's God. that's what he's hoping for here. Uh, right? Look, Damian Lee had a down shooting gear last year for sure. He only shot like 34% from three, but it was about 40 the year prior. 
Um, he just missed a lot of open shots last year for whatever reason. But he is a good off-screen guy. He's good coming off cuts. So he's going to be kind of one of those movement guys that you're going to see flying around a lot of screens. And he was effective shooting at the rim. I think he shot 82% at the rim, but he didn't take a ton of shots from there. So that's something, if the Suns can find a way to work his off-ball movement into their offense, he could be a decent bench piece for 10 to 15 minutes a night. I look forward to interviewing Damian Lee later in the season and not mentioning anything we said today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Try Monday. Hey, didn't you just say I was garbage on Monday? Like, uh, I, hope somebody, I hope he what? says that too. I, I didn't, I didn't say garbage. I said you were like a DoorDash deal. Like we hope it's good, but I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> Fine. You want me to go? You want me to come to the dark side and be pessimistic here? Let's go. I hope the Suns hit up their friends at more furniture so that the seats they'll be sitting on all season long are at least comfortable. Yeah. Does that work? Does that work? That'll work. work. And sons, if you haven't hit up more furniture, maybe you should to get some really comfy seats during their fall (laughs) furniture. Make sure your bench players. uh, Maybe you should. (laughs) 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 It sounded like Christopher Walken all of a sudden came (laughs) in here trying to sell more furniture. Need more cowbells. And if you guys, (laughs) if you guys need more cowbells or really good furniture, you should also check out more furniture. That's M O R furniture. (laughs) Hey, I'm selling furniture here. (laughs) If if it works, it works, okay? I don't know. We we haven't gotten the ROI yet. Emma just walked over and goes, Shane, can you take this show back, please? (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually calling him right now. Uh, Charles said that was was mid-Chelsea. Let Lindsay do the ad, I got a fever. The only cure okay, is well, more cowbell. More, more M-O-R for you. Cowbell. One more for you. This one's genuine. I want you to stay safe and healthy. I don't want you to have a fever like Gilbert in the chat. And a great way to stay safe and healthy are COVID-19 vaccines. And they are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azl.gov. Slash find vaccine for a location near you. You know that's not what that is, right? Yes, I get okay, it. Okay, I'm just making sure. sure. I don't know what you know, uh, Lindsay, no. so I got to make sure. I got a fever, and the only prescription is a COVID vaccine. You was a joke. Jeez, you guys. Just making sure. I don't know it's what's going party. on. We gotta have some fun. <laughs> Damn, that was a horrible on me right now. Like, sheesh. Okay, fine. Uh, that's Let's good. Let's move on to Dwayne Washington. Jr. Let's go, Dwayne. I'm just gonna talk real sad now. He joined the Suns on a two-way contract. He's a 22-year-old point guard. Dwayne he does not deserve your slander, Nine Lindsay. points and 1.8 assists for the Pacers in 48 games last season. Go. I love I, Dwayne Washington. I, I'm excited for Dwayne. Same. I'm not going to crap on this. Same. I love how you guys are excited for the guy on the two-way contract, but not the other guys. I don't this give a shit the about the other guys. Yes. The group. I, mean, I feel like I saw flashes of him last year that I really, really like, and I think if they don't Aaron Holiday it up, that my man's going to get a fair chance to to actually have a legitimate contribution to this team. Um, I don't know what to expect from campaign this year. I don't think anybody does. So that's mm. you know that's a mixed bag of who knows. But what I do know is that Dwayne Washington, um, I, I feel like he has the tools, the mindset um, to to be able to make it not only on the roster but consistently play um, for this team and give a. Good, solid 10 minutes a game. And he told us he wants to dunk on book in practice. I love a guy that's like, I don't care if he's the face of our franchise. I want to dunk on him in practice. Yeah, there's no doubt that he's got confidence. 
You're not mm-hmm. going to question if it's a mental thing with him because his oh. confidence is through the roof. Yes. Right. And that's great, especially mm-hmm. because his minutes are probably going to fluctuate based on injury and need and all that kind of stuff. And he's going to need confidence to be able to go I'm, in there and actually gonna, do I'm, something. I'm going to make a, a prediction right now. Okay. okay. By the end of the year, Dwayne Washington will be the number two point guard behind Chris Paul. Oh, man. I mean, dude, that's how much does, I love you, Dwayne. If he does, don't let me down. If he does, I'd be enthralled because that means he's played really good basketball. Exactly. Oh, and I, or I there's been is. horrible injuries. Oh, stop. Don't We're not, that's not, not, I don't want that to happen, but he's that, right. He's I mean, right. Um, look, Dwayne can create his own offense, and and on a team like the Pacers that wasn't very good. The results were kind of mixed, but he did shoot the ball well from three, 38%. Shot 47% on corner threes and 41% on catch-and-shoot threes. And he took and made a ton of those corner shots. So he's really good in that regard. I do wonder about his finishing at the rim because he's a guy that he can create his own offense. He can get there, but he doesn't get there often, and he doesn't shoot the ball well around the rim. So he's going to have to improve in that regard. And he hasn't shown a ton in the playmaking department which is what you're going to need if he's going to pass campaign in the pecking order so i like him a lot i hope that he does well and i think getting him on a two-way slot is a really great value move for the suns because way too often we've seen this team just totally abandon development they don't even have a g-league team right now that might so, change well that yeah now that was a money thing. now that might True. change but yeah, they're gonna be playing at the amazon arena up in flagstaff now <laughs> <laughs> but it is good that they got a guy like him on a two-way deal. I, I think he does have upside. I don't know about second guard in the rotation, but if he does, that'd be phenomenal. Don't doubt me, Gerald. And last <laughs> but not least, the Suns' most recent pickup, Frank Jackson. This came down just a few days ago per Shams. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are signing guard Frank Jackson to a non-guaranteed deal. So did him dirty on that this photo? Tongue sticking out. Tongue sticking out like he's salivating. It's an enticing basket he's about to make right now. So with Frank, of course, we're going to have to wait and see since it's a non-guaranteed deal, how he does in training camp and what he's able to show. I mean, he's... he's Well, go ahead. I was just going to say, we're not going to have to wait and see that long. This is a, I'm here for the preseason and I'm likely not... Not here on the roster. Yeah, Frank Jackson. There was so much hype about him coming out of high school, going into going to Duke. Um, he had a lot of solid players around him at Duke, and then he got to the NBA, and things just have not lined up for him. Uh, he's had a lot of injuries. Um, he's he's found he's kind of he's one of those tweener guys where he's. He can handle the ball, but he's not an elite ball handler to the point where you can really feel confident with him at the point guard position. And he's not a good enough playmaker or shooter to be the two, and he's not big enough to play the two in the NBA. So he's just in between. I call it the Arizona guys because we've had so many tweeners, Raleigh Alkins and Alonzo Trier, a bunch of guys that were in between positions, and they fizzled out, and they never they never really made it. So I feel like that's what Frank Jackson is. Um, hopefully I'm wrong, but, yeah, I, I don't see it. That's a good point about the tweener thing, because I wrote about Frank Jackson on GoPHNX today, uh, because this week was a whirlwind. We didn't really have time to talk about him very much, but... He's a he's six foot three, and like you said, he's not a playmaker. A career average of one assist per game through his first four years in the league, and I think he was in the twelfth percentile in pick and roll ball handler points per possession. So, not a guy that you're going to look to as a campaign alternative as far as running the offense. He's more of a quick trigger guy with a, but a slow release on his shot. Exactly what you want. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's not quick, a great combo. Quick trigger, but slow he'll pull the trigger quick, but the release it's going to take a while. Oh, so he knows like, he wants he, to shoot. 
too. It just takes a little while to finally. <laughs> yeah, his release is a little slower than it needs to be. He got blocked on a couple of threes just watching some of his film from last year. Um, he's not a guy that can score off the dribble a ton, but he does really well off the ball on cuts. The Pistons had him running off screens a ton. He was actually in the 95th percentile in off screen shots per 75 possessions, but he didn't shoot well. He was in the fourth percentile in points per possession on those on those off screens. So he's a guy that they had running off picks left and right, but he couldn't really do a lot with them. So the Suns are going to have to find a way to tap into something that they feel comfortable giving him that last roster yeah. spot. He sounds like the kind of guy that the Suns would have had about five years ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. That you would have just. Yes. He was he was your lottery protection yep. to make sure that you stayed high in that lottery. Who who were the, who uh, are the guards Isaiah again? Isaiah Kanan. Yeah, uh, Shaq Harrison. Uh, you know, uh, Mike James. Yeah. Like, that yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let me just say. Yeah. Uh, Kendall Marshall. I, I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. You are not for real. Oh, so. my God. Oh, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> This guy, actually, you know, like, (laughs) I like that. I will give you credit for the Outcast reference. Uh, There you go. So, does this make you guys feel any type of way with the season just around the corner that these are the new faces on the team, or are you like on a scale of one to ten, how worried or concerned are you? Why are you trying to set me up for failure right now? What do you mean? Listen, like. And not necessarily just about these guys that we're talking about, just as a whole, this being a lot of the people you'll see coming off the bench. Does that is that concerning to you or not? Yeah, very much so. Like they don't have a bench. They don't have a bench right now. Like if you think Cam Johnson is gonna start, then you're you're basically saying that the second five off the bench, campaign, Jay Crowder, Dario, Landry Shamit, Landry Shamit, like are you happy about those guys? I'm not. Like, I think the thing was is that we thought KD was going to come in, possibly, um, or if that didn't happen, another domino was going to fall somewhere else. But that never happened, mm-hmm. and now you got a, a solid starting five, maybe six or seven, and that's about as deep as you are right now. And you have to hope that two things happen: somebody from this group that we've just talked about steps up and takes their game to a whole nother level, or uh, Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges find that next level uh, being able to contribute offensively um, and, and really be consistent enough to really dominate teams. Other than that, ooh, ooh, we're feeling so hot about this team. We're going to find out if James Jones is as good as we've all thought he is because there's going to be going to need to be in-season movement to solidify that bench. And at what price does it come? Can you pull it off? And can you keep this team in contention? Because the starting five uh, is is very, very good. Uh, it, it's the key pieces that got you to 64 wins. But that bench looks very troublesome. Unless Landry Shamit finds some way to put the cape on and all of a sudden be that guy on the bench to score, you're going to need to make a move. And the reason why Mikhail and Cam are so damn important is because with with uh, that five, let's just say that's the starting five. With that five, you don't necessarily obviously you're not going to it's not, you know, it's not hockey subs. It's like it's not five five in and five out. No. But you can stagger everybody to the point because you have five legitimate players that are your starters, and you can stagger it and always have one or two guys that consistently get you a bucket that can play at a high level. So where you don't have to rely on the bench so much. But if Cam and Mikhail don't step their games up and play at a high level, now you're down to three, 
basically two and a half with Old Man River being the point guard. And now you have to heavily rely on the bench. You have to heavily rely that campaign is going to go back to form from two years ago. You have to hope that Dario rebounds from his injuries. There's just a lot. I'm saying the word hope a lot because that's what it is. Like this is this would be the season of, oh, I hope this shit goes well. But that's the danger of internal development. Yes, but I also think you have young players on this team that are worth investing in, that are worth taking that risk on and seeing what they can do. And look, I, I'm not going to mince words like the bench is worse than it was last year. But at the same time, what did we all talk about after the playoff series when they flamed out? We don't we don't care how many games they win in the regular season. It's all about the playoff rotation. As of right now, they have not really improved it outside of hoping for internal development. But they can amend that in the coming months depending on who becomes available and i do want to point out something that kind of has broke during the show because i know a lot of people are upset with the suns not doing anything not bringing in new faces not addressing the bench um but jam john gambadoro did tweet during the show talks with the suns and jazz broke down over boyan bogdanovich when phoenix wanted utah to add young power forward jared vanderbilt to the package now, this is something that we had talked about on the show, how much we liked Vanderbilt as far as his defense, his rebounding, what he would bring to the table. That's an acceptable answer to me because mm -hmm. I, I feel like Jay Crowder in a first-round pick is more valuable than Bojan would have been to this team. But if you were asking for Jared Vanderbilt and you were trying to push for that deal, that makes sense to me. And if Utah didn't want to go for it, then so be it. But it's not like he's not trying. And, and I think that would have been a really good haul if they had been able to pull that off. Yeah, I I, I don't think it's... I, I don't think James Jones is locked in his office up right. at up at the you know the the training center uh and and not doing anything just staring at the wall going well, I hope this works this year. Like mm -hmm. he's trying to find options but but the key is as general manager it's what you actually get done. I don't yeah. care how many mm -hmm. conversations you had, how close you get. In the end it's what guys can you bring in? And that's in the end, that's what he's going to be judged on this year is who can he bring in to help solidify this, fortify it, and get you to at least the Western Conference Finals. If you don't get to the Western Conference Finals, it's a failure. You've backslid again, I think. Well, and also going back to your point about, you know, the regular season doesn't matter. Um, or it doesn't matter in our eyes because we've seen the regular season and, and then it fizzled in the playoffs. What I will say, though, is, is like – it does matter a little bit because I, I think this year's regular season w matters way more than last year because we're not the clear front runners. There's obviously there. I mean, many teams have improved. The Pelicans are getting Zion back and they gave us problems in the playoffs. Like Dallas is Dallas. The Warriors. I mean, the list goes on and on. The Clippers. Everybody got healthy. Denver's back. You know, like so this regular season. I mean, I wouldn't expect, uh, you know, a 60-win season or 55-win season. Like, it, you just need to make sure that you're one of the top six. Right. That's the key. And so I think right now as we speak, the Suns right now are teetering between that four to eight spot because of, of how much better everybody has gotten and because they lost a little bit in the offseason and didn't really add anything to replace it. You still need that third or fourth score that can get a bucket at any moment and like I keep saying, I think just this whole season hinges on two guys and two guys alone. It is Cam Johnson and it is Mikhail Bridges. That is it. I think everybody else, you know what you're going to get with. Those two guys, they got they got to go up to a whole nother level if this team's going to be competing with the Golden State Warriors for a championship. I'm going to call it right now. Denver isn't going to be 
the problem. Denver is not going to be uh, an impediment to this team. I'm sure not not just that team, but there's a lot of no, other no, teams no. I know. I just don't the think Grizzlies. And I, I I agree with you. The regular season, it's not meaningless because obviously you want one of those top six spots. You don't want to be in a playing spot. I wouldn't put them in four to eight though. I would say they're still a top four team in the West just because they're going to tr- with the you, th- you with think the starting five that they have, they're going to churn out four, four to eight. So five wins. Four to eight is. I mean, like, so that means you think they're one of the top three teams in the West. Yeah, I would still say so. They have they have a ton of continuity on their side. Like the Grizzlies, they just lost DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson. Like the Mavs, they lost Jalen Brunson. The Warriors, they're they're content with churning out wins at a decent pace. They only won like fifty three games and won the title this year. I think the Suns are gonna be in that kind of similar boat where regular season success is not as important to them as much as experimenting. It'll cost them a win or two and the bench might cost them a win or two. But like, at the end of the day, they're still gonna win fifty to fifty-five games. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Warriors, Clippers, Suns—is that the three? At that's the top that's for you? probably the order that I'd go. Yeah, I I think they're three or four. I, I with the starting lineup and the consistency, but I think the bench is going to haunt them on multiple occasions this season, where that starting unit's gonna have to do a lot of work just mm-hmm. to to keep them above water. Which could hurt them if we're talking about Literally looking ahead to playoffs. Phys- if the physically. if yes. the guys have to log heavier minutes or a heavier burden because the bench sucks, obviously that's a big problem. I don't think it'll be that bad of an issue, but we'll see. But that's the thing we talk about: Chris Paul needing less time. You, there's nobody you can trust mm-hmm. to to give him that uh, that rest. You know, right now, so you're going to have to basically surrender some of those minutes. If you want I mean, him to get rest, yeah. I mean, right now, like, if you're looking at a grading system right now, you got an, you got a you got an A with with Booker, you got a you got an A minus B plus with Chris Paul because of his age and and going down and injury history in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a B in in Da, you got a B in Mikhail, you got a B in in Cam Johnson, and then you have a whole bunch of other guys that you have no idea about. Um, whereas there's other teams that have strong two strong A's um, that we have to compete against. And I, I don't know top three. I, I want. I of course I want them to be a top three team, but I just. I need to see the other teams in the league and how they're going to perform. I want to see how the Nuggets are going to be with Jamal Murray back, and they also added uh, some other key pieces that that I like. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. The West is brutal this year. It is brutal, but it's fun for us. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to say goodbye now. Um, we hope that you guys all have a great weekend full of great football, whether that's at the ASU tailgate or the Cardinals tailgate. Um, just remember, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app to make it even more enjoyable. Right now, customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's for new customers, but if that's not enough for you, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up same game parlays 
once per game day all season long. So it's really simple. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code PHNX when you sign up. Again, that's promo code PHNX on the DraftKings Sportsbook app and make your football season even more enjoyable. Just a reminder, that is uh, minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for all the details. Next week's going to be fun, Espo, not because Espo's on vacation, but because it's media day <laughs> and training camp. No, because media <laughs> day is fine. on Monday. Okay. We'll hear from the players. We'll hear from Monty and James Jones for the first time in a really long time. So we're going to have a lot of stuff to share with you guys during that show. Mm-hmm. So make sure you put that in your calendar right now. And, of course, training camp the rest of the week and even more burning questions. So we hope you guys have an excellent weekend. <laughs> Stay safe. We'll see you guys on you gotta, you gotta Monday. Read that last I don't want to read it. I don't want to read it. it. Hello's been feelings. mean to me all day. Hello, go take an OGs and come back better on Monday. Okay, Damn. I'll try to do the same thing, but no promises. You guys can fi- finish sure. this here. I'm over it. Just kidding. You can follow me on Twitter at Lindsay Smith AZ. You can follow Saul at Saul underscore Bookman. We didn't know what to do. We're you can like, follow uh, Gerald at Gerald Bourget. And of course, you can follow Espo at Espo. Espo, take us home. For those of you wondering, hello, said Lindsay. It was a down day for transition. <laughs> but I believe you'll be better Monday. I won't be better Monday because I won't be here. Ahoy, hoy. And X, though, Lindsay, Gerald, Espo. Saul passed the ball. We here to turn up the tempo. Got to understand me. Y'all always rep the family. Rally in the valley like Dan G. No plan B. Always on on the job, my team move like the mob. Turn the beat on, I throw it down like DA on the lot. Best combo since KJ Marley and Charles.